0: The following audio is from Christian Heritage Church. More information about Christian Heritage Church is available at chctoday.com. Who's loving this hot weather? Anybody? Boy, you ought to just be eating it up, huh? You might be from Florida if when you turn on the taps, they both run hot. Yeah, I've experienced that first time in my life. It happened last week. No cold shower is miserable. Yeah, you might be from Florida if your dream home is any house in Alaska. You might be. Yeah, you might be from Florida if the Four Seasons are tolerable, hot, hotter, and are you kidding me? You might be from Florida. You might be from Florida if you've learned that a seatbelt makes a pretty good branding iron. You might be from Florida. Kind of reminds me of the guy who took his three kids in the heat of the day, in the middle of the summer, to play putt-putt. Someone asked him, uh, who's winning? One of the boys said, I am. Another one said, I am. And the father said, no, actually, their mother's winning. (laughs) They're out there in the middle of the heat. This morning, take your Bibles. We're going to look at Exodus chapter 3. I asked Brittany to do that song again, because this is a service of freedom. We're going to declare freedom in your house, over your life today. I believe that God has sent His Son to set us free. Free from fear, free from bondage, free from addictions, free from our past. He has came to set us completely and totally free. So this morning, I want you to prepare your heart for the Word of God and let the Spirit of God speak directly to you today through His Word. Exodus chapter 3, I'm going to be reading eight verses of Scripture beginning in verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but was not consumed. Then Moses said, I'll turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, surely I've seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, and I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. If I can describe God's will for your life, it's found in verse 8 to bring you out of bondage, bondage to a large place of living where abundance and blessing becomes your watchword because you're living under the shadow of the Almighty. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, in this next moment of time, take the words that you have given me and drive them into the heart of your people. I pray for those in this place who've never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray that from this moment forward, you would convince them of their need of a Savior. Bring them to a point of repentance and relationship with you today. And Lord, I pray for those in this room who for all of their life have been bound by uncertainty and fear and anxiety. Oh Lord, I pray that you would purge that from their life today. Let the mighty hand of God be revealed in this service this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Most of us in the room are very much aware of the story of Moses. Matter of fact, this is the fifth message in the series Exodus, the story of a redeeming God. So we've talked about Moses. We've talked about how God has dealt with the children of Israel and his plan and his will is being affected and enacted in their lives. But we understand Moses was born with destiny. His DNA was to be the deliverer of Israel. Matter of fact, you can read it. It says that when Moses was born, his mother saw that he was special. Something different about him. The hand of God was upon his life from birth forward. You'll remember that she took steps to protect him and preserve him when Pharaoh had ordered his murder, his termination. She hid him for three months. The Bible says when she couldn't hide him any longer, then she made a basket and hid him in the bulrushes. Nearby where Pharaoh's daughter came to bathe. And you know the story. The daughter heard the baby crying, sent her handmaid to get it. And Moses' sister was right there watching to see what would happen. And when Pharaoh's daughter took that child out of the basket, she said, Do you want a nursemaid for the child? And went and got Moses' mother. Interesting story, isn't it? How God worked that all together, so what he had put in Moses would be pulled out of Moses in the years to come. Somebody needs to hear that. God's put something in you this morning that you have been sitting on, you've been capping up, and he's saying today it's time to release what I've given you and walk into the fullness of your destiny today. Today, because what he puts in you, he wants to pull back out of you. You know the story, Moses was 40 years old. He grew up in Pharaoh's house. He grew up with privilege and prestige and position. And the day came that he went out to see what was going on with his brothers, the Hebrews, who were slaves. It says that he saw an Egyptian taskmaster abusing one of the, or one of the Hebrews. And he looked this way and he looked that way. That's what the Bible says. And then he killed the Egyptian and he hit him in the sand. The next day he went back out again and there were two Hebrews fighting. And he tried to stop them and one of them said, what are you going to do? Kill us like you did the Egyptian yesterday? The Bible says that Moses feared. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. His fear caused him to flee the plan of God. He got ahead of what God wanted him to do. He tried to accomplish his destiny in his own strength and in his own power from the source of his own wisdom. And it backfired on him. You see, Moses tried to shortcut the plan of God. Somebody needs to hear that because you've done the same thing. Moses tried to shortcut, I know where God wants me, but I don't want to go through the process. I want to get to the finish line. I want to step into my destiny without any preparation. Can I tell you, God doesn't take you from A to Z without running you the gamut of the alphabets. Do not fight against the process. Submit to God, yield to God, let God do what he needs to do in you so he can bring what he put in you out of you through his will and through his pleasure. Moses' destiny was to be a deliverer, but his actions obscured his destiny. His actions caused him to fear and to flee, and he went to Midian and sat down by a well, and his destiny became obscured. Forty years He tended sheep in the backside of the desert. Forty years, there's not a doubt in my mind that not a day went by but what he said, what if I hadn't have killed that Egyptian? What if that hadn't have happened to me? What if that isn't the course I would have taken? What if I would have been patient? What if I would have waited on God? What if I would have chosen to trust the Lord instead of stepping out in the arm of flesh? Is that resonating with anyone in this room? because every one of us at one time or another have gotten ahead of God. We're tired of how long it takes. I know where he wants to be and I'm going to get there. And we step out of that plan and we try to do what he's called us to do in our own strength, in our own wisdom, in our own ability. And can I tell you that is a recipe for failure every single time. You're setting yourself up for fail if you think you can do this thing in and of yourself. No, it's Christ in me that's the hope of glory. Come on, somebody say amen. It's the power of God residing in me that makes all things possible. Without that dependency, we just wreck lives. We wreck ourselves. We wreck our destiny without a dependency upon God. Moses spent 40 years saying, what if? What if? Sometimes we say what if because of what we have done. Sometimes we say what if because of what's happened to us. Never forget the guy I met when I was pastoring in Oklahoma City. The first week I took that church, Capitol Hill, I had an invitation from the director of the rescue mission. He said, would you mind coming and preaching a service on Thursday night for us? Didn't know he meant that Thursday night. I said, okay, been on the ground less than a week and now I'm going to the mission. That's not the way you usually start a pastor. You need to get your feet on the ground, figure things out, and then get involved. But he threw me right in. I went, and I'll never forget the man I met that night. He was heavily bearded. He was filthy, dirty. But for some reason, after I preached, they fed him a meal, and I sat down across the table from this man. We began to talk. He wasn't very conversant. Didn't want to say very much. But God put something in my heart for that guy. We were about the same age. And so I started going back week after week after week, driving by the mission when I was going somewhere else just to see if I could find him. And over a period of weeks and months, over coffee and donuts and a Coke and a candy bar, we began to build a relationship. Till one day he said, you've never asked me why I'm here. That's not my concern. My concern isn't where you're at. My concern is where you're going. You need to hear that. The the concern of the church is not where you at. The concern of the church is where are you going? It's not what condition are you in today, but how are we going to get you to where God needs you to be? Come on, we spent way too much time putting up the clothesline, throwing out the rules and the regulations, telling people you don't measure up because it's time to take folks from where they're at and lead them to where God wants them to be. Come on, it's a process. It's a process. So in that conversation, I'll remember it clearly. It was a hot Friday afternoon in Oklahoma City, temperatures over 100. We were sitting under a shade tree outside the rescue mission, drinking Dr. Peppers and eating sicker candy bars. That's the meal of the gods, in case you wonder. That's exactly what God wants us to have. My wife denies me that privilege on a regular basis, but I'm trying to struggle through it, all right? So if you love me, bring me a Dr. Pepper and a Snickers, all right? I'm just kidding you. Just kidding you. I'll never forget it. We sat there. And he said, you've never asked me why I'm where I'm at. Really not my concern. Figured if you wanted to tell me, you'd tell me at some point. And he began to open up and share his story. He said, I'm from the East, and I knew that by the way he talked. I mean, in Oklahoma, we can tell a Yankee, amen? We know a Yankee when we hear him. Laura Rudd, I know a Yankee. We understood that. He said, I grew up in a home of privilege and wealth and favor. I went to the finest Ivy League schools, got my bachelor's, my master's, received my M.D., began to practice medicine, found a beautiful wife. We had two lovely kids. We'd been married about 10 years, and my wife and children were killed in a car accident, hit by a drunk driver. Some of you in this room know that same experience. Something happened in him emotionally and mentally. He just checked out. He said, after the funeral, I never went back to my house. I never returned to my profession. I never treated another sick person. Something happened in me with the death of my family that I could not overcome. And here I find myself in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, under a shade tree talking to you. And then he said, is there any hope? Is there any hope? I've come to tell you this morning, it doesn't matter where you're at, our hope is in Jesus Christ. He is still the Redeemer. Oh, I love the words of that song we sang this morning. It's in His name that He saves, He delivers, He restores. So if you're here this morning asking, is there any hope? I have come to tell you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords wants nothing more than to renew your spirit, to renew your heart, and restore your relationship with Him. Life happens, and when life happens, it can sometimes obscure our destiny and move us off the path that God's wanting us to be. Sometimes we find ourselves in the middle of nowhere, and sometimes in the middle of nowhere we find ourselves. Come on, God's talking to you this morning. You're in that middle of nowhere. You're sitting in Midian at the backside of the desert, next to the Mount of God, and God is saying, this is your day. You're going to find yourself in me, and He will renew your life. Sometimes we find ourselves in the middle of nowhere. Sometimes it's in the middle of nowhere we find ourselves. Many of us as humans have walked through situations and circumstances that bring disillusionment, disappointment. It can sometimes affect entire families. They can be tainted with that bad taste of disappointment and disillusionment. I remember when God didn't do this for me. And as a result, we lead our whole family away from the promise and the presence of God. Oh, church, can you one more time simply start trusting Him and saying, It doesn't matter what I see. I know what I've heard. And I've got a show word from the throne of God. He loves me. He cares for me. He watches over me. He is my shepherd. And I shall not want. Somebody get that in your spirit this morning. Simple truth we learn from Moses' life is if we don't follow the plan of God, we're going to follow another plan. And that other plan won't lead us where we're wanting to go. Matter of fact, if we don't follow the plan of God, we find our lives drifting aimlessly. And listen, if we drift, we die. We die. We've got to tap into what God has for us. So we see Moses, he's there, he's on the back side of the desert, is what the scripture says, by the Mount of God, Mount Horeb. And all of a sudden there's this bush in the desert burning, yet the bush isn't consumed. It just continues to burn and there's no ashes, there's no debris, there's no, no ash floating through the air. The bush is just burning, but nothing else is happening, just a fire in the middle of this bush. And we begin to say, what is God trying to do? I'm going to tell you what God's trying to do. He went to Midian to find Moses who was destined to be a deliverer and bring him back into the plan of God for his life. God will find you wherever you at. He will do whatever he has to do to get your attention and bring you back to where he wants you to be. He went to get Moses' attention. It was a burning bush that didn't actually burn quite an anomaly. It made no sense whatsoever. Contrary to nation, nature. Someone said, I mean, the last, several times over the last few weeks, someone has said to Yvonne and I, well, how did you get to Tallahassee? All I can say is it was an act of God. That's all I can tell you. You see, I left the pastorate in 2002 and had no desire ever to pastor a church again. Ever. I was done. But God doesn't remove the gifts and callings that he puts on your life. And at some point in time, he'll do whatever it takes to get our attention and put us back where we're supposed to be. July 25th, 2013, I got a call, two calls actually on the very same day. One from a great friend of mine that you have met, Rick Haug, he was here a few weeks ago. And another one from a great friend you're going to meet in October, Tony Miller, he'll be here to preach a couple of services then. Each of them said the same thing. Hey Steve, there is a church in Tallahassee, Florida, we think you ought to consider. You know what I did, I laughed at them. I laughed at both of them. Are you kidding me? I live in Colorado. Why do I want to go to Florida? I'm on the mountain, I don't want to go to the swamp. Why would I want to do that? But God began to get our attention. We both said, no thanks, we don't wanna to go to Florida. We've never been, just driving through I-10, that's all we know about Tallahassee, and that was enough. That's enough. So all I needed to see. The one thing I did know about Tallahassee is Florida State football was here. And I remembered in 2000 when my mighty Sooners won the national championship. Now you're shouting, aren't you? Oh yeah, now you're shouting. I love it. Someone said, you give those people a hard time about being a Sooner every chance I get. Why would you want to go to Florida? I didn't, but God did. See, there comes a time in your life when God will do whatever he has to do to get your attention and to turn you back where he wants you to be. Somebody in this house needs to hear this. You've been running. You've been sitting. You've been struggling. And God is saying today is your day to get your attention back on my will. The DNA that I poured into your heart. And let me start pulling it out of you. And making you effective one more time for the kingdom of God. We need to understand that's God's way. That's the way it works. So if you're here this morning and you find yourself in the desert, don't push against it. God's using that experience to bring you to a place where he can reveal his will in your life. When God appears, and I believe for a minute he's gonna appear this morning in your life. When God appears, give him your attention. When God appears, listen to his voice. When God shows up determined to obey him, Determined to pursue Him. Determined to do whatever it is He wants you to do. You know, it's amazing to me. We can come into the presence of God and we sit like, I don't know, we just sat there. Couldn't find an analogy that was appropriate. Wouldn't offend you. We just sat there. Just try to move me. Just try to move me. Just try to move me. Holy Spirit, you can't move me because I planted myself and I am not going to move. I'm like a tree planted by the waters. You took that out of context. You know that, don't you? (laughs) I shall not be moved. You took that out of context. You know that, don't you? You see, we need to understand when God shows up, we need to open our heart and respond to him. The President of the United States walked into this room this morning, Doug, this is exactly what you'd do. You would stand up, you would reach out your hand, and you would welcome him. Because that's what you do for that office. If an old friend that you haven't seen in 25 years shows up, you would stand up. You would run to them. You would throw your arms around them. And you would say, oh, it's so good to see you. I am so glad you're here. Welcome back into my life. Oh, come on. When God shows up, welcome him into your life. Don't sit there like just try to move me. Just try to do something inside of me. Just try to speak a word into me. Open your heart. Open your ears. Open your life. And let the redeeming God of Exodus begin to redeem and renew and restore your heart and your life. You're going to dry up and be a bitter old saint? You go right ahead. But I'm going to kick, I'm going to prod, I'm going to poke, I'm going to make you as mad as a wet hen. I'm going to do anything I can do to get you to open your heart and hear the voice of the living God one more time. When God shows up, listen to him. When God shows up, respond to him. When God shows up, let him do what he wants to do in your heart and in your life. Oh, but you know, I'm on a schedule. And you know, it's right now, I've, I've got to watch, and I know how to tell time. It's 11.29. And I know I've got 15 minutes to finish this message, and I know I'm not even through the introduction. So I know, you know what you're going to hear next Sunday? You bet you more of this. More of this. That's what you're going to hear. More of this. I know. That when we limit God's ability to move in our life through external circumstances, through our schedule, through our busyness, through all the clamor and the clutter that we pull into our lives, we are diminishing and minimizing the great things God has for us. Can I tell you, it's time to shut off the electronics. It's time to turn off the television. It's time to walk away from the internet and spend some time with the one who loves you. With the one who gave himself for you. I've said this week after week, I'm going to say it again. It's time to dust off the cover, crack open the book, and let the God of the universe begin speaking to you one more time from these sacred pages. Because when you do, the Holy Ghost comes in. He ignites. He sparks he brings direction he brings revelation and he moves you to a whole nother place in your relationship with God. I Got a schedule. I don't have time You have time to go to the gym You have time to go to the mall you Have time to go to the beach I know I'm meddling now. I get that. I get I know I'm on really dangerous ground when I talk about the beach in Florida. I get it. I love the beach. We love to go to the beach. But you need to understand there's got to be a priority in our lives. And the priority has got to be finding what God is saying when he speaks, when he shows up. Stop and listen to him. Now the greatest idea was go to the beach and let him speak to you there. Can you say amen? Boy, I just saved myself there, Yvonne. I was about to get fired. What's God saying to you? What's God speaking to you? How is he appearing in your life to pull something out of you that he already put into you? See, I'm convinced that's exactly the way he works. He deposits in you and then that deposit should grow to the point it begins to overflow and you begin sharing what he put in you with those around you. Come on, somebody say, hey, man, this thing of Christianity isn't about me getting all I can keep, canning it and keeping it. It's about letting it flow like a river through my life to touch hearts and to touch lives. Rodney, where are you? Back there somewhere, stand up, he's there at the back. Is Brian Williams in the room or is he in the back? Last night these two guys were knocking on doors down in back in the back in the CG booth. I know we don't have a camera that reaches them, you just trust me, they're back there. We were knocking on doors down in the Wilson Green neighborhood. And they came to me and they said, We just led a young man to the Lord for the very first time in his life and he came out the door to meet us and greet us. He was hungry for Jesus. Oh, come on, hear me. The world is hungry for reality. They're hungry for truth. They're hungry for life. But if we keep it and we can it and we never share it, they'll never hear the message. Someone said, you need to quit urging us all the time to go out and tell somebody about Jesus. Well, why don't I just quit then? Because the last time I checked, the mission of the church is to go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. The mission of the church is the same as when Jesus went back to heaven. So if that's the song you want to sing, you need to go in another key, another place, because my ear is deaf. I'm not going to listen to you. We are here to reach a city for Jesus Christ. God didn't pluck me out of the most beautiful place in the nation to dump me in Tallahassee so I could sit around and coddle and babysit a bunch of spoiled Christians. Amen. I'm smiling when I said it. Gotta count for something. He brought us here to heal this church, energize this church, bring mission and vision back to this church, and let this church be a vehicle who changes this city. That's the only reason I'm here. I'm not here to mess around. I'm not here to play games. I'm not here to model you. I'm not here to give you warm toast and milk. I'm here to challenge you to step all over your toes, to get down in your business and tell you it is high time for the church of Jesus Christ to stand up, to step up, and be the church in the power of the Holy Ghost. And if you don't like that, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. Get your heart right with God. Get your attitude straightened out. And let's move forward. You see, the problem is in the church, we've been coddling people way too long. Oh, I don't like that. I don't care. I don't. So I'm going to do one thing. I told you this the day I walked into this place. I'm going to do one thing, and that's follow God. And if that disrupts you, if that interrupts you, if that causes a problem for you, I don't care. It's time to move on with him and do what he wants you to do. Do what he's calling you to do. Move to the place where when he comes into your life, you allow him to stop you. And you come back to hear his voice. Moses was called to be a deliverer. That was his assignment from birth. That was God's DNA in his heart and in his life. That was the only thing God wanted him to do was deliver Israel. Deliver Israel. Deliver Israel. And when you look at Moses' story, there were people who invested in his assignment. Think about it. The midwives invested in his assignment. Because even though Pharaoh said, you're going to kill every male child that was born, they refused to do it. And I love the way it says it in Exodus, they feared God more than they feared Pharaoh. Come on, church, we're coming to a place in America, you have to adopt a position. Am I going to obey God, or am I going to obey the laws of the land? I've come to tell you, when it comes to a choice between God and America, I choose God every time. I choose God every time. I will obey the word of the Lord. It doesn't matter what they say that I can or can't do, I will obey the Lord. You say, well, that's Old Testament. That just drives me nuts. I'm telling you, that drives me nuts. Have you never read the New Testament? Have you never read that when the Sanhedrin called in Peter and John and they said, you can't speak anymore in the name of Jesus? Don't you know what they said? They said, it's better to obey God than man. Oh, come on, folks, I'm telling you, if you're a Holy Ghost believer, you've got to draw the line in the sand, put your feet on the Word of God, and see, it doesn't matter what a culture does, I'm following a living God. I'm obeying His Word. I'm not backing up. I'm not turning around. I'm not looking over my shoulder. If you want me, come and get me, but you better run fast because I'm chasing after Him. Chasing after Him. People invested in His assignment. The midwives did. Read on through the scripture. His mom and dad invested in his assignment. They said there's something special about this kid. Something different about this baby. And they prepared his preservation for his future deliverance of Israel. His sister invested in his assignment. She took the watch over that basket in the bulrushes. Waiting to see if Pharaoh's daughter would hear and accept him. Pharaoh's daughter invested in his assignment. You see, God knew that the deliverer needed to be familiar with Egyptian customs, politics, policies, needed to know the language, he had to understand the mannerisms of the court, and he had to be able to get an audience with the Pharaoh. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about that? How could some guy from the backside of the desert walk up and get the Pharaoh to even listen to him and talk to him? you ever think about that? It's because he was the previous Pharaoh's daughter's son. He had entrance. He had access. God prepared the way for him. He isn't going to listen to some Hebrew coming to try to bring deliverance. But when he sees someone who is an Egyptian, he's going to listen and give audience. Pay attention. That doesn't mean what he did, what he said, but at least he gave him audience. So Pharaoh's daughter even invested in his future, in his assignment. So this morning in your outline, and with this I'm going to close, I want you to think about who's invested in your assignment. Who's sown into your life? Who is responsible for you being where you're at today? Who's invested in your assignment? Some of you are going to say my parents. Some will say my spouse. Some will think of other friends. But I want you to take out a pen, and I don't even see one of those outlines here. Does anybody have an outline? All right, thank you. Take out a pen. That outline is right there before you. And under where it says who's invested in your assignment, I want you to write three names. Because this is what you're going to do this afternoon. You're going to go home and pick up the phone. You're going to turn on the commuter and send an email. And you're going to say, thank you for investing in me. I'm who I am today because before I came to the place I'm at, you believed in me. You invested in me. You've spoken to me. And I am the product of what you have done and God has done through your words in my life. A lot of people that's invested in my life, I tell them regularly, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We should appreciate that and understand that and let God honor them through us. Who's invested in your assignment? The second question in that outline is, whose assignment have you invested in? Because you see, I already said it, you can't keep it and can it. You got to spread it. You got to let it flow. You got to let the presence and the blessing and the power of God move and flow through your life in order to become the person God's destined you to be. Whose assignment are you investing in? Who are you pouring your life into? Who are you speaking into on a regular basis? Who are you encouraging? Oh, let me tell you something, it's easy to be critical. It's easy to say you're doing that wrong. How about affirming them? I see the Spirit of God in you. I see the presence of God over you. I see God as a plan for your life. This is what God spoke to me for you. This is what I read in the Word and how it applies to you. Whose assignment are you investing in? Because I'm convinced if we don't have people investing in us and if we aren't investing in other people, we're not going to get to the place where God wants us to be. So whose assignment are you investing in? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed in this room. We'll finish this message next week. Father, I pray now, take the words that I've spoken. Take the sentences that you enable me to put together. And let them be life-changing in this room. Lord, I know there's men and women, boys and girls, teenagers in this place who need to accept you as their Lord and as their Savior. In the next few moments, break every barrier that's been erected, make their heart tender, and give them a desire to know you. Show them there is only one Lord. There's only one Savior. His name is Jesus. Give them courage right now to respond to you. It's about an eyes are closed across this room. You're in this place today and you say, Steve, I know that I need a savior. And I now realize I can't save myself. I need Jesus to come into my heart and to come into my life. I want my life to change. I don't want to wonder as I have been wondering. I want my life to change today. And I want Jesus to be the source of that change. I just described you. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. He's been talking to you throughout this service. That's that uncomfortable feeling in your chest. You're not having a heart attack. God's calling you to a place of repentance. You say, Steve, that's me. You'll say, that's me by slipping up your hand all across this place. I need Jesus to come into my heart and to come into my life. Slip up your hand right now. That's you. There's a wait a moment. That's you. Slip up your hand. Slip up your hand. Yes, someone else. Someone else. God's talking to you. Yes, someone else. God's talking to you. He's calling you to come home. Come back to Him. Anyone else? You'll raise your hand. Yes, someone else. Anyone else? So wait just a moment. Yes, anyone else? So wait another moment. Everybody in this room, stand to your feet with me. Those of you who raise your hands, gentlemen, I want you to lead the way. Be a man this morning. Stand to your feet and you come out. Everybody who raised your hand, come and meet me right down here. We're going to pray together. God's going to welcome you into his family. Come on. Come on from the front to the back, each side, each section. You raise your hand. Come this morning. Come on. Let's let God do a work in your heart and do a work in your life today. Thank you for listening to audio from Christian Heritage Church located in Tallahassee, Florida. Feel free to give copies of this message to others, but do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Christian Heritage Church, please visit us online at chctoday.com.